We're live. Hi, everyone. How are you, by the way? Oh, hi. Welcome to The Same Drugs. With Megan Murphy. I'm Megan Murphy. And I'm Laura McNally. Yes, we did it. Sorry we're late. Yeah. I'm I'm still pretty impressed with my efforts. I drove, like, most of the South Island of New Zealand and got here in time to do this. Right on. Yeah. Good work. How are you going? Um... I'm doing pretty good. I cut all my nails off this week, and I'm feeling insecure about it. <laughs> it's really kind of been weighing on me a lot. Yes. That so happens. Good. Do you feel naked? Um, I feel like I start, my hands are a bit mannish. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got like, man I've, hands now, too. I don't, I don't even think I have man hands. It's just that they are, it's such a big difference. Like, they're so much stubbier. <laughs> like I have long I'm like this is what the show is about tonight. Somebody was asking earlier what like the topics were or what's on the the schedule or something. It's my nails and my hands. Um we're going to talk about whether or not I should go back to the long nails. I'm going to give them a break for a little bit. I just I kind of got to my end of the rope with them and was like this is stupid. I don't need long nails. This is totally impractical. I don't like yeah. sitting at the nail salon for two hours every two and a half weeks. It's kind of annoying. Yeah. I was starting to worry that, like, the UV from the thing that you stick your hands in when you get gel nails was, like, going to age my hands. And I was like, it do does. I want wrinkly hands just so that I can have long nails for a while? Yeah. Seems you impractical. Could get, you could get that one that they don't do the UV light with. Um, you can get the nice color still. It's like a gel, but they don't use the light. It's a, some new thing. Is it that powder, the dip powder? Yeah. Yeah. I find that it like it breaks off faster. Okay. Like you have to get them done more because it'll start chipping off. But yeah, that's probably a more practical idea. Um, can I share? Nails... I got. Oh, yes. Yeah, go long ahead. No, of... no, we don't have to talk about nails anymore. That's okay. We can move <laughs> forward from this. I just was There's... like, I just, it's weird because I'm like, I see my hands and I'm like, ugh, ugh. Yes. No, well, I have a stupid uh, thing that's related to what I did this week, which is I bought this shirt. This is the first time I've ever bought a long sleeve shirt in my life. It was no. $100. Is that it's how a much nice people... shirt. It looks so cozy. It, yeah, $100? that's how much people pay for sleeves, Laura. They cost $100. That is crazy absurd i it's unacceptable this is the only time i'm gonna pay 100 it's so it's so nice and i always steal my boyfriend's shirt so i was like "Uh, i'll buy my own then i really like it it's really nice um i mean i don't know how have you gone this long without buying a shirt with sleeves because i always live in hot places Mm, it's it's the opposite of rich bragging stevie this is the first time i've spent a hundred dollars on a shirt it is it is expensive okay how much do people normally pay for shirts is what i'm wondering <laughs> like what's a good price well, it depends on what kind of shirt like if you're buying a t-shirt Flannel. then obviously like i okay like a t-shirt i would say 40 bucks mm-hmm. 50 bucks one of maybe. these though. But one of the, I mean, I would pay $100 or something mm-hmm. for that shirt. Like, that looks like a shirt that you would pay, like, 100 bucks for. Mm-hmm. Nice. All um, right, good. I'm glad, I just wanted to check that off the list. Done. Good. Okay. okay. 
And now, is that your only long sleeve shirt, and you're just going to wear it every single day throughout the winter or whatever, whatever <laughs> season it is in New Zealand? It's not. It's spring. You're coming. Aren't you coming into summer soon? Um, it's like winter right now. So snowy right now. Okay, yeah. Am in the in the live chat is counting every time we say like, and it's really it's going to be a lot. Like it's a lot. If you want, you should just you Am nobody else because you'll get alcohol poisoning. You should play a drinking game Am where every time either of us say like, you take a drink, and then you'll basically be like checked out in half an hour and I... won't annoy us anymore with your like. No, I'm totally it. down for them doing that. Actually, I think that's a great idea. I got this shirt from like one of those outdoor shops, which is like. I'm allergic to those shops. Like, I never go in there. All their clothes are brown. Boots? No, they're so ugly. I was like, ugh, who wears? Like, People in Vancouver, dude. People in Vancouver so are like, ugly. I don't, I'm not into like outdoor gear, like, but the, like people in Vancouver are very into wearing outdoor gear around, like either like yoga gear or like their taiga jackets that are for like, they're waterproof but they're for like hiking and outdoorsy stuff or like you know they're bike stuff they're like biking okay. outfits because everybody bikes all year round there's lineups there's long 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 lineups every single day outside mountain equipment co-op which is like our big huge outdoorsy store where people buy all their like hiking stuff and yeah. biking stuff and their backpacks and all that shit every day and i'm just like what douche is standing in a lineup outside Mount Equipment Co-op on a Sunday morning for half an hour? Like, Jesus. The but climbing stuff for people know. who climb on mountains for, like, no... Like, would you ever do that? Would you ever climb up a side of a mountain? Like, a cliff? Not I, a mountain. I'm I, like this. This uh, is how you do it. This is how you I climb. walked up a mountain once, and it was so bad. But, um, but I just want to know, if the people that design outdoor shoes and clothing do you um intentionally make them ugly or is it something that is necessary by design like do they have to be ugly for some kind of functional reason because it just seems like they're yeah boots and also the pants and the tops it's like they're um i don't know if they have to be ugly it's just really weird i don't know maybe it's like style maybe it's practical i'm Mm. not i'm not in that industry laura um I I, well, I need someone to explain it to me because I'm very yeah. offended. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I'm glad. How do your sleeves feel? Do they feel this like restrictive? Really... No, see, I bought this because it's so soft and uh, big. It's a men's shirt because, you know, I have that uh, weird sensory thing where I feel all material is yucky and itchy and I don't like material. Do so you know this is like why that is. I might be autistic, but we're going to find out. Guys, last I, week I, we discovered that Laura's autistic. I might not be Which explains so many things, like yes. why she's such a dick. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I thought I was just a bogan. I was like, I'm a bogan. I'm going to accept it. It's how I was raised. Like, working class Australians, we're pretty straightforward. Um. But, yeah, I might be autistic. I will get assessed and I will tell everyone on Patreon. I, I don't think I'll tell YouTube because that's, a, you know, not a YouTube kind of thing. Uh, was I not supposed to tell YouTube about that? Oh, no. Sorry. I just, I, we won't tell YouTube the final results. I'll oh, talk okay, about okay, it okay. on Patreon. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Sure. 
I mean, I just thought, I don't know that much about autism, so I'm probably going to offend a bunch of people who do know lots of things about autism. And I was like, oh, that's why you don't care about other people or have any feelings. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's like, whatever, fuck them. (laughs) It's true for me, though, so... Yeah. I mean it's if that if that's the case then autism sounds kind of nice. <laughs> yeah, I, like I would it. like to have some autism. Whatever it is whatever it is I have, I like it and I don't plan on changing it. <laughs> no, it I'm being serious. It seems like kind of liberating. Like I wouldn't have to deliberate over other people's feelings and how to properly mm-hmm. deal with all these situations and feel so sad about men all the time and like feel mm-hmm. like hurt and like Mm-hmm. empathizing mm-hmm. things like that yeah it's got its pros and cons you know being emotionally intelligent i mean you can use it to your advantage one of the things with being emotionally intelligent is that if you do feel your feelings strongly then you need to be able to manage your feelings well as well it's not just the feeling it's the managing like uh funneling them into useful things like using that emotional energy wisely using it to your benefit uh so being emotionally intelligent can be quite tricky it is really. i tricky. imagine i don't know my I, my mom once said to me when i was like crying over a breakup or actually i was crying over a ghosting um and she was like i think maybe you just feel things more strongly than other people it's like it's true. How, is that really unhelpful though? Heart. When people are like, you just feel a lot and you just think a lot. Like just just feel less. And it's true. Like one of the things with people that think a lot, because you're very analytical as well. You got both sides of the brain dominance. You're analytical and emotional. And like sometimes you really do the solution is like turning it down. Like not you you think that the solution is like i'll feel it out i'll think it out and i'll get to the other side and there'll be a solution and it's like actually sometimes it's not doing that that's mm-hmm. really hard to do yeah tell me about it like i <laughs> yeah i mean cuz yeah i have the the overthinking and the over analyzing and the like trying to come up with the per- perfect solution but I'm also always trying to come up with a perfect solution emotionally like does this like respect them am I respecting my boundaries like I don't want to be like using like violent communication or like mm-hmm. be accusatory and I'm trying to do things in a warm way while also like sticking up it's a lot of thinking and a lot of feeling and it takes up like a lot of brain space and heart space I would say yes because most I don't know people what the benefit can- is well, it makes you a, a, a well-rounded individual usually, but it's very, very difficult to do. Most people tend to be more in the um, analytical side of their brain, which means you focus on the numbers, the data. Give me the rational solution. Let's talk. Let like let's break this down in a detailed way, in an analytical way, in a rational way. And then they kind of clash with the emotional feeling people who are like, let's talk about the humanistic side. Like, let's talk about the feelings. Let's work through this. Let's, can you access some feeling words around this problem? And they tend to clash, but I think you do both, which is really hard. 
I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> I think the rational think people kind of have it easier. Yeah, I would agree. I um, think that's why they often get ahead in the world because they yeah. don't mind hurting people. And oh, totally. Yeah, they can they can make the most like practical, rational choice without worrying so much about how they're making other people feel. And so they can just move forward with their lives. I mean, the downside is that I think that it confuses and hurts a lot of people in the process. Mm -hmm. But if that's not really a downside for them, like, I don't know if it is a downside. I'd like there to be a downside because it's hard for me to deal with those kinds of people. I mean, I respect it on some level. Like I have a lot of friends who are like that, who are just really, especially male friends, I'll say, because men are, worse at emotional intelligence in general and more prone towards whether this is because of socialization or what like i'm just gonna take the most rational approach and it's like okay well i appreciate that you've thought this through in a very rational way but like you're mm -hmm. not at all thinking of like how this impacts anybody else but you mm-hmm that does backfire on them when they're working in a collaborative team environment and the people they're working with start to notice that their feelings are getting trodden on mm. and they start to kick back or they go to HR or they go to their manager or sometimes these people tread on their manager's feelings and that will really affect them in terms of, you know, getting hard feedback, maybe not getting the promotion, maybe not getting the role you exactly want. So, like, mm. it does kind of come back on them. But I think that's kind of also why people that are really analytical go into roles that are really analytical so that they can just really use their strengths, which is numbers and tech and stuff like that. Probably business. Being a yeah. CEO, it would be really good for that. I mean, I suppose I mean, it hurts you know, their relationships, which might hurt them yeah. in some CEOs roundabout way. very emotionally intelligent because they should actually manage how the data impacts people in a humanistic way, which I think is kind of the, the challenge that you're talking about, right? Is like, how do you do both? And it's like, well, it's really fucking hard. That's why you get paid a lot. <laughs> right. I'm not saying you get paid a lot, but people who do <laughs> CEO roles well, do get paid a lot right um okay i mean so like i feel like this is a good conversation but i also feel like we're supposed to be talking about other i have like yeah. such a long list of things to talk about today that okay. there's no way that we're going to be able to get through all of them okay. um but and as per usual, I probably like over prepared and will uh, underperform as a result. <laughs> That's my classic move. Impractical, irrational. Um, so, okay. So, I mean, there was, I mean, one of the things that, one of the main things was this thing that's going on with. Bella Thorne. Did you follow yeah. this at all? I know I like sent you some stuff, but I don't know if you. I I fell into like an internet wormhole around. I've been Bella mostly Thorne. offline, so you can assume that I am an uninformed reader. Okay, so I, I mean, at first, like we've already talked about OnlyFans on mm. this show before, so I was like, I don't know if we really need to uh, like um, rehash 
OnlyFans and like what's weird about it or what's dumb about it or what like people are complaining about that's dumb. But like it was uh, it was amazing to me how much this blew up on the internet. Like so what happened was Bella Thorne, who I don't even I don't I am not super familiar with who she is. Apparently she was in some Disney shows and then she made some other movies that I've never heard of and directed a porn at some point. Um but she signed up for an Only OnlyFans account and immediately on the first day broke a record and made a million dollars in one day. As far as I'm aware, she didn't even get naked, which confuses me. I guess OnlyFans confuses me then because, and I almost wanted to sign up for an account just so I could see what's going on there, but I don't want to sign up for an OnlyFans account also. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, I don't know if I want to see what's going on there. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I want to like pay money to see, like, I already Instagram annoys me enough as it is. Cause mm-hmm. I have to look at ass. Like, mm-hmm. like, I don't want to look at your ass, put it away. And I yeah. unfollow as many of these accounts that I can like whether it's like i don't know a swimsuit account like so much of the stuff that i follow on instagram is just to like keep up with um product like there's obviously Mm -hmm. friends and stuff like that but Mm -hmm. i'm like okay i like these like swimsuits so i just want to remember that they exist for next time i need a swimsuit but then some of them are like i don't know i i don't know if other people do that or not but so if but if they're like overly sexualized i always just end up hating the account and hating the company and unfollowing because I'm just mm-hmm. like why do I need to see this like and I don't understand doing that when you're a company that sells product to almost exclusively females like I understand why men might want to see those kinds of images but if you're a woman and you're trying to sell something to a woman like why would you want to look at these highly sexualized horny photos of girls in the clothing or the product that you're trying to sell like does that work on people and if so why Mm, I think it's the uh, influencer effect so like the product does stand alone I mean like you say they could sell really good quality bikinis you don't need influencers taking photos of their ass to sell really good bikinis they would sell themselves but the, uh, the influencers bring in bring their audience into the brand so they I mean the point of being an influencer is that you have influence on the people that follow you so if they say I love this bikini brand like look at how hot I look in this bikini brand you're then uh, imbibing like trust with your audience in this brand so that's the the power of influencer marketing that's why they would use it and that's why it would sometimes be sexualized because that influencer has built a bra- uh, built a brand existing brand around their sexualization of themselves so of course the way they market the bikini will be the same way they market their own brand which would be sexualized so it's in staying in line with their sexualized branding that they would take photos of their ass and tag the bikini company and the bikini company would be like, oh, sweet, we would like to borrow from the the existing legitimacy of this influencer's brand, right. sexualize, so let's share it. Um, and, of course, it would alienate a small percentage of customers like you. You might be alienated by that influencer's brand, but I would say the uh, the influx that they get 
from the influencer's brand would be far greater than the people who feel alienated by that influencer. Right. But I mean, I'm not only talking about the influencers because I don't really follow any influencers because they annoy me. But like just if the, the company, like the kind of advertising that they're producing for their company company is highly sexualized. I mean, I assume that it's like girls look at it and be like, oh, if I buy this, I'll look like this. But to me, I'm like, this isn't something that I want to see this isn't what I want to look like. I'm not buying a swimsuit because I want to look like porny. Like I mm. want to buy a swimsuit that like is comfortable and looks good on me. I don't look mm. like that. I don't have any like necessary desire to look like that. And it just makes me dislike the company because it like those kinds of images make me feel bad, not good. Mm. And I assume that they have that effect on most women. Um, like, I think that objectification doesn't make women and girls feel good. No, it doesn't. But feeling not good is a stronger driver of purchase behavior than feeling good. People who feel good are less likely to buy something. So, but the other thing is that, um, a lot of bikini companies are aiming for a particular demographic that's in the, uh, you know, like the, the biggest consumer groups for them would be that uh, teenage market to early 20s. And the aesthetic to target that demographic is going to be more sexualized than the aesthetic to target a more like mature women demographic. So they're shooting for that demographic. And I don't think that they would care that they might alienate some of the women who are older than that demographic. Because the point is that those younger people are the biggest consumers. So you you drive your marketing machine around what speaks to that demographic. Okay, so younger women like looking at porny photos. That works for them. Yeah, I mean, there was... There was a survey in Australia and the result was something like 86% of teenagers reported that they would like to be an influencer in their career. Well, sure. Yeah, of course. I mean, and they, that's the aesthetic, very right? glamorous. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. I guess that they're looking at the those images and trying to model themselves after that because they're like, oh, if I want to be an influencer and make a bunch of money and be glamorous and travel, then I have to look like this. So they're trying to emulate it. It's not necessarily that they enjoy looking at it. It's that they're seeing and they're like, oh, this yeah. is what I should look like or this is what I want to be. Yeah, totally. Right. Yeah. Okay, so anyway, so the OnlyFans thing. So I guess, I mean, OnlyFans, I, I assume it can be for nudes but it doesn't have to be for nudes it can just be like sexy photos which i kind of don't get because you can put sexy photos on instagram but i guess this is a way to monetize your sexy photos um and i guess there's lots of sex workers and i just uh, you know i'm gonna use these two terms probably interchangeably i don't use the term sex worker um, I'm not explaining this to you, Laura, obviously, because you know this at two people who are listening or watching, because I think that it's a term that doesn't make any sense because it encompasses way too many things. Like, according to like sex work activists and third wave feminists and the 
like sex work lobby, let's say, so the groups that try to legalize and normalize prostitution, you know, like a pimp could be a sex worker, girls who do cam work can be a sex worker, porn stars are sex workers, prostitutes are sex workers, escorts are sex workers, sugar babies are sex workers. Um, There's probably all sorts of other things that, you know, girls who sell pictures of their feet to guys with foot fetishes on the internet or sex workers like it's way too much stuff like and that's a that's a wide variety of people um and you know you can be more specific if you just say prostitution and prostitute because that you're talking about exchanging um sex or um sex acts for money Mm -hmm. and and because, of course, the term sex worker exists to sort of legitimize this so-called profession as a job like any other. Like, it's it's all part of that, that effort to turn prostitution into the only, you know, the only problem with this job is that we need better labor laws around mm-hmm. sex trafficking. Like, mm-hmm. good fucking luck. Good yeah, luck. Yeah, like, yeah. And then suddenly it won't be degrading and abusive and exploitative and it won't like kill your soul and the industry won't be full of people who don't want to be in it and people who have histories of abuse or are in poverty or both um, and are going to be further traumatized and abused and then spat out as soon as they age out, which you do very quickly in the sex trade. Mm. It's weird how in denial people are. Like, so many people, for some reason, <laughs> I think maybe uh, coming their background and their history leads them to believe that it's a job like any other trope. Um, and they can't conceptualize of a world that's not like the world they grew up in, where it's a job like any other, because they've got a few cool friends that do it. Um, but there's like a, a whole world out there where that isn't the case, you know, like the, the sex trafficking hub of the world is Southeast Asia. Um, and there's a huge trafficking route now because of the conflicts in the Middle East with people being trafficked through to Europe. And it's like, if some, if people wanted to do this job, do you think they would need to traffic people? Do you think they would need to enslave people if this was a job like any other? Like you look at the jobs that people are trafficked into and it's horrific tasks like um, scrubbing out the bottoms of ships and they get stuck on ships for months on end. So they just trap them there because no one would do that job. And then, you know, the women who are trafficked into the sex industry and women who are trafficked into being sold as brides. These are not jobs that people want. There's not like a long list of applicants like, oh, here's my CV. I really hope I get picked. I'm holding out for this. Like, well, and it doesn't really tra- take much to become a prostitute. Like, it's a pretty easy industry to get into. But yeah, you're right. I mean, trafficking just wouldn't exist if there was enough willing women. Um mm-hmm. And most of the industry is made up of of trafficked girls and women, you know, Mm. people who don't want to be there and have no other choice or are forced into it. Mm. Um, But yeah, so yeah, so I just wanted to preface that when I'm using the term sex worker, I obviously have a critique of that term. Um, But like, I guess... Uh, the point for a lot of women who are on OnlyFans is that they draw people in with their nudes and their provocative material, and then they get them to pay for 
either prostitution, which probably, you know, a lot of a lot of those women are doing less of now because of COVID. So now they're having to do kind of porn and cam work stuff. But I guess to draw in customers to pay for them to like maybe produce private material for them. Um, and so Bella Thorne shows up, makes a million in one day. This was, I think, August 19th that she signed up. And by the end of the week, she'd made two million. Um, and the sex workers on the Internet who were using only OnlyFans went crazy. Like there was so much controversy around this. They were so angry, um, which I found really kind of like odd and ridiculous. Um, like, so I'm going to, one of the, one of these tweets that got like uh, 10,000 likes. So a lot of this stuff went pretty far says, Sex workers are unable to get pandemic relief because of criminalization. Um, okay. I'm not sure that's the full story. And are struggling to get people to spend $5 a month on their content. Meanwhile, a rich celebrity makes $1 million in a day, cosplaying as one. Give money to working class sex workers, not celebrity LARPers. Like... And somebody else says, Bella Thorne and every other rich. I just wanted to try OnlyFans for funsies and clout. Experimental whore needs needs to be dragged endlessly until they shut the fuck up and put their platform to work. So, and somebody else tweets, she should take a big portion of that money and redistribute it to sex workers who need it. And have been hustling just to have money for rent slash food and organizations that help sex workers in need of housing, healthcare, food, etc. Her net worth is already five million. I mean, this it, this just demonstrates like such a deep misunderstanding around how the industry works. Like, it's not fair. It's it's you know. Whatever men want to do, they get to do. Men run the sex industry. Women are not in control of the sex industry. You can't force a man to pay for you when he can choose a younger version of you. You know, it's inherently ageist. It's inherently racist. It's inherently misogynist. Um, you know, in pornography, for example, the girls are all sort of categorized by race in very racist ways. You know, in, in brothels, the white girls will get paid more than the black girls, things like that. And you, there's nothing you can do about it. Like, if a man doesn't want to pay for you, he's not going to pay for you. You can't do some kind of, like, you can't do, like... I don't know. You can't diversify the the sex trade or enforce equity or pay equity onto the sex trade. It's all based on this exploitative model. And I mean I just I guess I found it sort of ironic because I feel like all these like sex work lobbyists, these kinds of people on the internet talking about and promoting sex work as so ideal and harmless. And if you just legalize it, all of the problems will be solved, you know, as evidenced by fucking Nevada and Germany and Amsterdam, which are a total mess when it comes to the sex trade. Um if you just mainstream it and normalize it, then that will solve a lot of the problems because the whole problem is about stigma, right? It's that it's all underground. This is their argument, right? That it's under. We need to bring it all out into the open. We need to pretend that it's totally harmless, and um, and and then you know that's essentially what 
happens in their narrative is Bella form Bella Bella Thorne goes on the platform. So she is kind of mainstreaming. She's not actually doing prostitution. That's what they're kind of mad about. They're like, you're not doing any of the dirty work and you're getting all the money, but she's <laughs> doing what counts as sex work within this narrative. And then they're pissed because she's supposedly taking money away from them. And it's like, well, what do you want? Like, do you want it to be mainstream, brought to the light, brought to the general public? Because, I mean, that to me is a lot of uh, Instagram and OnlyFans. It is making the sex industry very visible and very public. And there's no, nobody seems to have any shame around posting pictures of their ass. Like this whole thing about people are ashamed of sex. Like that is a load of shit. Like we need, I don't know where that narrative speaks to maybe there was a time some decades ago but right now as the world exists people are not ashamed of posting naked photos of themselves either on their public profiles or in their private messages with people no it's completely normalized no one is ashamed so i don't know what this thing is like we need to end the shame like no one's ashamed if if instagram and only fan proves anything it's that no one is ashamed so you can't keep saying that shame is the problem so now here's a platform where on instagram you do it publicly it's free it's accessible everyone's out and open and proud about the fact they're taking naked photos or whatever and then you've got only fans you can monetize it this should be the perfect system and yet what are we seeing the same problems occurring where there's the the way women are rated and treated is based very much on their class their their how thin they are how white they are how much they fit the narrative so of course bella thorne comes in she fits she ticks all the boxes and she's a celebrity of course she's she's going to win she's she's thin she's beautiful um, and she's fresh meat. Like, that's a really big deal in the industry, right? Like, when you yeah. first enter porn, you'll be more in demand and you'll make more money. But as you gain more experience, you become, and same in prostitution, you become kind of worn out. You become less enthusiastic because you've been, you know, you're tired and you've been traumatized all over and over and over again. But men love the fresh meat. Like, it's like, oh, it's like the virgin, right? Like, oh, you haven't been sort of like used up. Um, Mm -hmm. so they like that. So, so yeah, so they get mad about that. Um, and she, she finally responds. So she's, people are like canceling her. They're like, apologize, give us your money. (laughs) This is to be like the like SJW solution to everything. (laughs) Give us your money. Say sorry and Venmo me. Venmo us. Yeah. So um, on August 29th, Bella apologizes and, and tweets that she wanted to remove the stigma behind sex, sex work, and the negativity that surrounds the word sex. What the fuck? What fucking negativity? <laughs> what negativity? Sur- everybody loves sex. Okay, not everybody. A lot of people really like sex. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think there's stigma <laughs> Like the I mean, sex. not in North America, oh. anyway. Like not in the West. 
Like, give me a break. Like, what planet are you living She's on? She's just making a list up, like, pulling it out of her ass, literally. Well, the third wave has just repeated this narrative so many times that other people repeat it, and they just assume that it's true, and they don't even think yes. about what they're saying. Yeah. So, that's, so the negativity that surrounds the word sex itself, by bringing a mainstream face to it, that's what I was trying to do to help bring more faces to the site, to create more revenue for content creators on the site. Like, sure, give me a break. Like, I don't think so. I think you wanted to, like, (laughs) get media attention and make money. Like, (laughs) oh, okay. You're like, I know how to help the sex workers. (laughs) Show everyone my tits. (laughs) Um, I I wanted to bring attention to the site. She goes on. I wanted to bring attention to the site. The more people on the site, the more likely I have a chance to normalize the stigmas. And in trying to do this, I hurt you. I have risked my career a few times to remove the stigma behind sex work, porn, and the natural hatred people spew behind anything sex-related. Sorry, continue. This was really touching and moving. I was really. I wrote and directed a porn against the highbrows of my peers and managers because I wanted to help with the stigma. She made a porn because she wanted to help with the stigma behind sex. Um, And she goes on to say, I'm a mainstream face. And when you have a voice, a platform you try to use. in helping others and advocate for something bigger than yourself. Again, in this process, I hurt you. And for that, I'm truly sorry. So that's her big apology. Um, And I want to add that um, Bella Thorne has a long history of sexual abuse in her past, which she's talked about publicly um, Mm -hmm. in her book and in other places so she came out i think like a couple years ago or something and said she'd been molested from the time that she was like six years old to 14 Mm -hmm. so she has a lot of sexual trauma in her past um she's never said who it was but it sounds like it was like a family like it was somebody living in her home um so it sounds like it may have been a family member so i mean it's the the sex work lobbyists um i don't know how else to to say that i don't like using like jargon that's unfamiliar to other people that's what we've called it in feminism for some time um but you know they always push back against that claim that a lot of women and girls are funneled into prostitution by being abused you know that's what that's what grooming is right like a a stepdad or an older male family friend or a dad or a grandfather what have you will molest the girl and so they normalize that kind of behavior and they teach the girl that this is her only value and this is her only worth and so it becomes kind of very easy and natural for her to move into prostitution she's being abused anyway why not get paid for it kind of thing um, and she's used to be treating, treated like that by men. She's used to being told she, and, you know, learning that she has no self-worth. And so it actually isn't that surprising that, that Bella Thorne would kind of participate in this kind of, this kind of behavior also. Um, and 
So anyway, she she says all this. She apologizes. And then her sister gets involved. Um, this is like the new and even more interesting part. And it blows up even more. So like a couple of days ago, her sister, I didn't know she had a sister, but apparently she has a sister and her name is Kaylee. And she joins OnlyFans too. Um, and she starts arguing with the, the sex workers on the platform. And so they get really mad at her and start demanding that Bella cancel or condemn her. Um, and, and part of the argument that, that Kate, is it Kay, uh, Kaylee or Kylie? Kaylee, I think. Um, the argument that she gets in is, is about the fact that the, the sex workers are telling Kylie, Kaylee that she's she's doing sex work so she's she's posting kind of like lingerie shots or whatever and and Kylie I I should just pick one Kaylee I don't even remember what I keep saying I or just like make up a new name myself I'm like it's K-A-I-L-I what's that Kaylee Kaylee Kylie Kylie okay anyway um because she, she starts saying, you know, she's like, I'm not doing sex work. What I'm doing is not sex work. She says, I'm a creative. Like, I'm not stealing your work. Because they're also accusing her of stealing their, I guess, Johns from them. Um, I'm not stealing your work because you're not creative. All your bios say the same thing. Insatiable slut. Insatiable slut. Get creative and maybe you'd cl- keep your clientele. My point is don't hate the player, hate the game. Um, and then she also actually goes on to kind of criticize sex work. So she says, the argument is that sex should not be work. That's why it turns into human trafficking and should be stopped. Sex work doesn't exist. It's not real. Would I call it legit? No, nothing about sucking for crack is legitimate. So the sex workers all turn on her (laughs) and they start insisting that she actually is doing sex work and don't deny you're doing sex work. Like you actually are. And so we have two arguments there. And one of them was the first argument, which is that Bella and Kylie, Kaylee, are are LARPing as sex workers. So they're just faking sex work. They're not actually doing sex work and they're making all the money. And then at the same time, they're yelling at them and saying, no, actually you are sex workers. Stop denying it. Um, you're, you're shaming sex workers. Um, and let me see what else some people said in here. Like... <laughs> <laughs> She this like they're all and they're all argument. pulling this and it's also got all this SJW language yeah. also connected where they're kind of like yeah. educate yourself about the industry like when when this one girl posts um in fact I invite you to actually learn something about the industry before you dare talk shit about people who are out here surviving capitalism you're a weak excuse of a human being for talking shit about people your sister is literally stealing money from Literally stealing money from. She made $2 million, so that's she's literally taking money from prostitutes. Um, you don't even care that sex workers have been struggling due to COVID or that 27% of sex workers experience state-sanctioned violence at the hands of police or that trans people are more likely to participate in sex work due to discrimination in other industries. That's not true. You don't care about the discrimination. Like, the most likely person to participate in the sex industry is a girl or a woman. Um, 
You don't care about the discrimination sex workers experience in housing, child custody, or entering other forms of work. You just want to make money off the backs of other people. That makes you a leech. That's okay, though. Karma knows no time or space. Ooh, harsh. Um, and, and, and then they're also going with this, like, privilege argument. So they're saying... Um, this one, this one person, April Arson, says, if you grasp privilege and nepotism, you would understand you are, in fact, being incredibly shameful to the people group that has bore the weight of making what you do even possible to be accepted by the masses. You aren't sticking up for yourself or your sister. You're slapping us all in the face right after she already did. Your sister's actions have left countless real sex workers unable to pay rent, eat, or care for their families. And you're making jokes and snide comments about everyone's very valid outrage. Y'all put people's lives and families at risk. Own up to it or answer to the universe for your heartless, self-centered actions. Like, I don't even really understand any of this. Like, how is it Bella Thorne and her sister's fault that these people are struggling due to COVID or like can't make enough money to pay their rent. Like, I mean, I don't know what they think is going to happen with platforms. Like only like, are they, are they going to make rules and keep people out? So only real prostitutes can use only fans. They're not even supposed to be prostitution on only fans. That's like one of the rules on the app. No prostitution. Right. But the, the big thing, right. Is that because Bella broke all these records they've created new policies and so they're blaming bella for the policies so the issue isn't so much bella it's the policies that she caused the platform to create so the person that is actually at fault for this is who whichever executive decided to implement these policies which would cap their earnings Right. I th- as far as I could read, that was the issue, is that they're capping their earnings now. And that is only because of Bella being this kind of experimental test case. Because she made too going, much money. Yes. And the platform going, let's start capping the total amount people can bill per client and the total amount you can draw out per innings. And they changed the increments. Like you could, you, you could usually... Um, draw your earnings weekly and now it's like monthly or something so that they can deal with like refunds and so they've changed processes and policies because of the Bella Thorne example and I mean this is the this is this is what it means to be earning money through a platform it's the same with Patreon they fuck people over YouTube fucks people over Twitter fucks people over as you know Instagram fucks people over your, if your earnings are at the behest of a multinational corporation that's headed in Silicon Valley, there are going to be things that affect you based on the policies they come up, they come up with. Yeah. And you can protest them, but I think the protests are correctly directed at the company who's making the policy decisions, not the, not the random person who joined Instagram or Twitter or Facebook fucking only fans and you're like oh that person they did something different so now they changed the policy like talk about the policy take the mm. policy issue to the policy makers that's 
their job. It's not fucking Bella Thorne's job. What's Bella Thorne going to do about the policy of OnlyFans? Right. And I mean, I'm sure that wasn't her intention. Like, I'm going to no. go on OnlyFans and then they're going to change all. Like, I'm sure she didn't expect to make $2 million. I'm sure she was happy to, but I'm sure that she didn't expect that. And yeah, and certainly I'm sure it wasn't her intent to to change policy. I mean, I guess I just find it interesting what the whole argument ended up actually being about. Um, which, and I mean, that this is a problem with depending on these platforms which we're all forced to depend on and i'm not sure what the solution is to that because i was fucked over by getting banned from twitter in terms of my ability to work um to make an income you know to be relevant to have contacts to reach interviewees to be seen as a legitimate person um to share my work i mean it's a big deal as an independent um, and we almost have no other choice. Like, it's sort of good to spread yourself out so you aren't wholly dependent on one platform. But the unfortunate thing is actually that we're all kind of forced to be dependent on social media. And COVID's made that 800, like 800 times worse. And, you know, like, if I were a conspiracy theorist, I'd be like, wow, what a great plot by, like, tinder and OnlyFans and twitter and uber Mm -hmm. to like force us to depend almost entirely on your app your Mm -hmm. platform for us to function zoom like all these things that people are now using to work um we're all getting like food delivered way more often so we're using things like uber eats all the time uh you know people are sort of like all forced to date online like how do you date under these circumstances if you can't go out and mingle um so i think probably a lot more people are using using dating apps now um and then just so much more of our communication has moved online and it was bad enough as it was to begin with you know it's a real nightmare as far as i'm concerned and it just gives these companies so much power over us mm. it's a shame because you know the digital economy where people are reliant upon patreon or only fans or youtube or even their own marketplace online for their revenue is a fundamentally uh, insecure source of income. Like the tech industry is known for being highly volatile, highly stressful. Like there's a reason that the executives in these tech companies earn so much money. It's so stressful. It changes every fucking day. It's so up and down. And you can make bank. Like you can make hundreds of millions of dollars or you can get bankrupted, lose everything, get screwed over. And that's what happens to most people. It's like gambling. The digital economy is much more like gambling where in the past – our sources of income have been much more stable and sustainable. And it was like the small business model, bricks and mortar, you know, social welfare system. These are all things that are slow, long-term. They build over time. You can rely on them. It might be a lower income, but it's a reliable income. And now we're going to the digital model because we all want to get rich quick, right? No one wants to be poor anymore. 
and even poor, within poor people, like everyone has more money that is poor. Like, as, as far as I can see, a lot of people are cash rich despite actually being lower in the lower income tiers. And the digital economy is this kind of gap filler. It's like everyone wants to get rich quick. How do you do it? You gamble. You turn to uh, illegal industries like selling drugs. You use a digital economy. That's how you can get rich quick. And it's fucking risky. You will get burnt. That's one of the rules. Like the, in the digital economy, you will get burnt. If it's not the platform that burns you, it'll be your competitors. It'll be some disruptor. Like the disruption people will come in and fuck up the industry. That's the name of the game. And th- this is the point of the gig economy. The gig economy is unstable, it's largely unsustainable. Everyone's just trying to make cash so they can pay their bills. And we know that this is a gap filler. We know that the problem is that people actually need universal health care and people actually need sustainable sources to pay their rent. And now we're all clamoring for like, fuck it, I, I need a cut of the digital economy because I'm fucking poor too. And it's like, can you see that, that the problem goes much deeper? Like the digital economy is not going to fill the gaps of what is a fundamentally broken system. Which is interesting because these people all pretend to be leftists. Like they talk about Mm. labor and rights and equity, but they're all actually capitalists and they're all out for themselves, which fair enough. I mean, you have to be like, there's no other option, particularly in the U S where their labor labor movement is so weak and they have such weak labor laws. Um, But yeah, anyway, so (laughs) It's just a, it's a circular argument that goes yeah. nowhere and people, I just, I find it amazing how little people actually in the sex industry understand about how the sex industry functions and how the sex industry has always functioned. Like, has the sex industry ever improved? You know, it has been normalized. It has been mainstreamed. Is it better? Are less women getting abused? Like, mm-hmm. nope, definitely not. Is there less violence? Is there less death? Is there less exploitation? Nope, 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 nope. Mm. Um, okay, so uh, what time is it now? We've got, we're at 10, we're at like quarter after 10. So, I mean, there's a whole bunch of stuff that, that we wanted to talk about. Most Pick of which your top is like, one. everyone's dumb except for us. <laughs> 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 everyone's wrong. what about the topics though well okay so there's all this um there's all this rioting and looting and burning down of buildings going on and protests protests also going on in uh kenosha wisconsin um and that's because of and of course all these like elite white liberals are defending it like they're destroying buildings i mean it's the same thing that's been going on for some time now in certain places you know portland seattle um you know they're they're destroying communities uh they're destroying cities they're destroying you know immigrant owned small businesses and acting like it's all defensible because uh, it's protest and it's political, um, despite the fact that we all know very well from history that looting and rioting is not 
effective. It doesn't have a, a, a positive impact on the communities of people that these these protesters or rioters or looters are, are claiming to support. Um, so, I mean, I just, I'm, I'm so, I'm so sick of people defending this shit. It's indefensible. Violence is indefensible. Either way, you can't claim to be okay. In my opinion, you can't claim to be okay with violence against these people, um, or claim to be against violence against these people, but be okay when it happens to other people. Like they literally are making the argument whether in these words or not, that it's okay to be violent against right-wing people or white people or wealthy people or the cops or what have you. Um, And these are the exact same people who will say that words are violence. So they'll say that an idea that they don't like is violence or harassment Mm -hmm. or abuse, um, that it's hate. Um, they'll say that opinions are violence and yet they'll turn around and assault a cop or assault, uh, you know, Republican. There was a, there was a Republican national convention that happened recently and the protesters there, first of all, they all seem mentally ill and Mm. I'm not saying that to be mean, they seem legitimately mentally ill. They seem completely unhinged. Like these chicks just like screaming in the faces of these, these politicians, these Republicans leaving the convention. Um, like they seem not okay. And it's, it's the same thing that I experience when I've, I've gotten protested at my events. Like I'm like, these people don't seem stable at all, which makes them even scarier because they all seem totally like irrational and out of control. (laughs) Like they seem like insane people. Um, But you know, those people are allowed to harass and threaten and shove these people because these people they've decided are the enemy and the bad guys. So they deserve it. That doesn't qualify as violence. Um, burning down a building doesn't qualify as violence. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not a violent act, even though, you know, people might be harmed in the process. I mean, it's a fire, so people might die, like, but also people's livelihoods will be destroyed. Mm-hmm. And there was, you know, recently, um, I think it was promoted on NPR, and I'd actually read something by this person last month, I think, this, this person named Vicky Osterweil um, wrote a book called Indefensive Looting, so great timing. <laughs> um, and this person is white, and this person uh, identifies as a trans woman. Mm-hmm. So we know what that means. Um, <laughs> with regard to sex, that's my point. Um, not sure what we're allowed to say on YouTube. Um, so there's, there's an excerpt that's been quoted a whole bunch over and over and over again, which I wanted to read to you because I think you might like die or have an, like an aneurysm or something like that. (laughs) Uh, So this is a quote from in defense. Like it's just like, I just cannot stand these academic elitist defenses of looting. Like you're not there. Like, I, I've talked about this in other shows, but there's a whole bunch of white, elite, liberal UK feminists who are busily, like, condemning anyone who criticizes the rioting 
or criticizes the protesters even, but particularly that criticizes rioting and looting and accusing them of racism, not in subtle, subtle terms, directly accusing them of supporting racism, of being racist, of not having a critique of racism, like of doing white feminism or whatever, literally only because, you know, we, me, let's say me, let's, let's, let's just say it's me. Um, <laughs> all right. I, well, I'm not, I don't support violent protests. I don't support right. looting. I don't support rioting. Um, I used to, I used to make all the, like the irony is I used to make all these arguments. I used to defend looting and rioting. Like I, from a leftist perspective as some like white chick who doesn't know what the fuck she's talking about, who's never, <laughs> you know, been impacted by rioting or looting before. Um, because I think it sounds like leftist and radical and da, 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 da. Like it's such an easy thing to talk about if you're not impacted by it. Um, and I made all these arguments and I've changed my mind since then and been like, oh, that doesn't make sense. That's not actually true. Like I'm looking at history, looking at data, looking at research, looking at statistics, looking at what's actually going on, looking at this footage of people being beat up and in some cases murdered, looking at these destroyed communities, looking at these burnt buildings, watching interviews with people who've lost their livelihoods, you know, their family business, whatever, and being like, nope, this doesn't seem great. And somebody wants to turn around and call me like a racist or whoever else is making these arguments. There's plenty of people making these arguments and throw some mm-hmm. MLK quote at them. Um, but so this is what this Vicky person writes about, about looting. Um, Homo sapiens are quite unlucky evolutionarily in almost all man- mammals, pregnancy and birth are a safe and simple process. Uh, gestating mothers basically never die in childbirth. Indeed, if there are insufficient resources or the gestator is unable to care for a baby at that moment, for some reason, the fetus can easily be aborted. But in humans, birth is violent and dangerous, life-threatening to both the gestator and fetus. I don't know if that's true. Is that true? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, think there's complications in dog birth all the time. Yes, there like is. If if a chihuahua mates with like a, a breed that's too big, then it'll die. How does this baby relate will be to too the big. thing, though? Puppy. Okay, with that understanding in mind, good question. <laughs> <laughs> Great question. <laughs> I don't understand how this defends looting. <laughs> with that understanding in mind, we can begin to analyze riots as births. See? It all oh. becomes clear, doesn't it, Laura? Okay. No, it still doesn't make any sense. <laughs> riots are violent, extreme, and, and femme as fuck. They rip, tear, burn, and destroy to give birth to a new world. They can ah! emerge from rising tensions and lead to nothing, a miscarriage, or be the height and end point of a given movement. In most instances, however, they transform and build a nascent movement into a movement. Rioting as the black trans women of Stonewall showed us is a form of queer birth. Oh, my God. Is it over? Yeah, the part I'm going to read is over. Oh, God. That was so painful. Like, what do you... You don't know anything about birth. How dare you? How dare you talk about women's bodies in this way? Like, what is... <laughs> rioting is femme as fuck? Why? Because it's, like, caked in makeup? 
It's vi- it's all men doing the violence too. Like what, what a load they- of shit. It's not women doing this. Like men are the ones out there beating people up and burning shit down and killing people. Then killing white men. It, apparently, it's a bunch of white guys killing each other, like beating each other up. Like femme as fuck. This is not Wait, do with fucking was- women. This is male violence. Where was this published, and how how did you get it's a hold book. of it? Oh, it's just been covered, and it was covered on NPR recently. I just looked it up. I've just been reading articles about the book. I just took that excerpt from excerpts from the articles. Recommending that book? Uh, They were just covering it. Interesting. I mean, look. On the one hand, the the whole yin and yang of destruction and creation. Like there is something to be said there, but that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about like an ecosystem self-destructing and like metamorphosizing into a, a something greater. We're talking about people just fucking killing each other and burning shit down. And it's not transforming. I don't know where I get this vision when you talk about these people who are like, Oh, yes, like rioting is the only way to be anti-racist. And if you don't support rioting, you must be racist yourself. And they're like, you said, rich white academics. And I get this like gross vision of like the ivory tower of these people sitting up in the ivory tower being like, yes, let the peasants riot because we want to see what comes of this. And it's all a fucking game for them. Like working class people's businesses being burnt down is a fucking game. They don't give a fuck. They've never been broke. They don't actually know what it means to lose your income and lose your business and not be able to pay rent and not be able to feed your kids they have no idea it's just a fucking game they're like cool yeah burn all the shit down i want to see how cool it looks afterwards maybe they'll put up some architectural maybe there'll be some new architectural designs afterwards i'm really keen to see what comes of this burning and looting i'm down for it it's all it's all fun and games i can just sit here and watch it as a fucking spectator sport it's It's an intellectual exercise it's something for them it's also something for them to talk about on facebook on twitter and pontificate about so that they can sound leftist and radical to their friends and ensure that they appear to be non-racist because they're supporting these supposedly marginalized people rising up and i say supposedly because many of these protesters i'm sure are not oppressed by class or race um and I mean, the, I just, I mean, I find the fetishization of the feminine and of the woman so mm-hmm. transparent and unsurprising, considering who's written these words. Um, and yeah, to me, it's like, it's so clear that this is all about male violence and aggression. I mean, like, the reason that all, there's there's been all this um, rioting and protesting in Kenosha is because that guy, uh, Jacob Blake, um, was shot by the cops and he, he's not dead. Supposedly he's paralyzed. I think I'm not sure if that's actually confirmed. I read that, but uh, in a few places, but I'm not sure how accurate that is. Um, but he was shot seven times in the back by the cops so people started rioting and protesting over there and um he's a rapist and an Mm. abuser um and the reason that that the cops showed up 
in the first place is because there was a warrant out for his arrest um, because um, he was charged with he was charged with trespassing, disorderly conduct, um, and then he was also charged with sexual assault. And he has allegedly been sexually assaulting his ex-girlfriend for, for many years. Um, it's his ex now. They were obviously in a relationship at some point when he was also abusing her and raping her. Um, and he showed up at her house. Hmm. And he's not allowed to be there. So so um, he shows up at her house and I don't know for sure all that went down but I've, I've read various things around him trying to assault her or, or you know she was scared in any case so she calls the cops um terrified and reports that her boyfriend's there and he's not supposed to be on the premises so they show up they know that he there's an open warrant for felony sexual assault and they were trying to erase uh, uh, arrest him and he resisted arrest and he's walking towards the car he's walking towards the car he's already admitted to the to the officers that he has a knife in the car and he goes and opens the door and goes to the car like i'm not suggesting that somebody deserves to get shot but like this is not some black and white issue of racist police violence hmm so like, this is he was in the wrong and, and nobody gives a shit about this woman like it's like mm-hmm. and now you're rioting in defense of this horrible violent man is that what's happening right now yeah that's why all, that's what sort of instigated all those riots in in kenosha like in wisconsin hmm. um and that's why then there there was a shooting where this this white kid who was 17 years old shot a couple of guys there was a uh major incident so i mean that's a whole other story this kyle rittenhouse story where he shows up at the protest with a gun but like gun culture in the u.s is so insane like you're not allowed you you just show up at a protest with a gun you're walking around with a gun like that's fucking freaky i mean he's not he wasn't allowed to open carry because he's 17 but obviously in lots of states you're allowed to just show up places with a gun like um and uh, a few guys got aggressive with Kyle and kind of started going after him and he's a kid he freaks out he ends up shooting two guys they die they're both white guys I think those guys were some pretty awful guys too I can't remember exactly what their histories were but I think one of them was like a rapist maybe a child rapist or something like that they were all criminals um and you know, when people are are using all of this in their political arguments, mm-hmm. um, it's like, oh, it's the white supremacists, because I think mm-hmm. this Kyle guy is a Trump supporter. Um, the white supremacists are, are all at fault. They're the violent ones. Um, you know, the, the riot, obviously defending the looting and the rioting and the protesting um, because this guy Jacob was was shot in the back a bunch of times by these clearly racist cops. Like, are they racist? I mean, that, they were sort of doing what their job is. Like, it's so tricky because America has such a strange culture around guns. It's so hard for me to even relate 
One thing I would say is I fully appreciate and understand that there is an issue, particularly in the United States, but I believe in a lot of Western countries where people are uh, branded as criminals and entrenched in the criminal system because of low-level drug charges. And I don't think that's fair. And I know yeah. that that disproportionately affects black people in multiple countries, not the, just totally. the U.S. And so there's an issue there, and it probably has got something to do with race. It's almost definitely got something to do with class. Um and I think that there are some like really clear policy changes that could be made to fix those things. But in terms of like gun culture and people being shot for what potentially could actually just be a misunderstanding, I mean, those are policy policy issues. The United States has to work this shit out. In Australia, they would use a taser on you. They wouldn't go for a gun unless you also had a gun in your hand at the time. As far as I understand, they would always taser you first. So, like, it just seems to me that there is massive issues in the United States, firstly around their policy and secondly around their culture. But I just don't think that rioting about one particular issue and fucking up all these people's lives and businesses and homes is a solution. How is that a solution? I mean, it's not a solution, and, it's another you know, problem. They, they literally seem to be entering into a race war in the U.S. I mean, that seems like such a weird term to say. And even weirder because I've been watching um, the the Charles Manson series all week, Helter Skelter, which, you know, like he, he says, it's super creepy, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. But, uh, like, you know, he he's talking about this race war and kind of trying to to instigate a race war i mean he's a crazy person but like it seems i guess it seems like a right-wing kind of thing to say like oh they're they're starting a race war but it's like that sort of seems to be what's going down and i think probably both sides are participating um but it's really scary to me and yeah and it and it's scary to me that people are supporting behaviors and practices um that are 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 violent and that we know are unproductive and that don't offer any real solutions i mean i don't know what solution is being offered i as far as i can tell it's just like defund the cops which is not a solution yeah like, what's going to get cut if we defund the cops? Like, it's probably going to be training pro- programs that, like, it's going to be diversity programs. It's going to be, like, training programs that are, like, teaching cops how to de-escalate situations. Like, we don't we don't have the same gun culture in, the, in Canada as the U.S. either. Um, I think that the cops here are actually pretty good at de-escalating instead of just reaching for their guns. And probably that has a lot to do with the fact that people in Canada aren't just carrying around guns all the time. Like, the cops don't have to worry so much about somebody, they pull somebody over, and maybe they're going to have a a gun sitting next to them, and they're going to die. Like, I don't mean to defend the cops, I'm not defending any of the people, but the situation is more complicated than the people posting about, you know, defund the cops on on Instagram will will let on. Um, I think it's uh, interesting because... um... 
a couple of things. One is we're dealing with a situation where a group of people, like it seems as though we're heading towards some kind of race war, as you said. And it seems to me that people are trying to say, like, pick a side, pick the right side. And right. the right side is where words are violence and everything is identity politics and we're totally anti-racist, but also we will use violence and say that that's not violence because we're doing it to the right people because words are violence and those people use violent words. So the only way we can respond is with actual violence. And it's like we're living in this, this is dystopian. Like this doesn't, none of this makes sense. How as any normal rational human being meant to make sense of a situation that is totally nonsensical? There's no sense in this. In words or violence, for one, that makes no sense. And for two, we should respond with actual violence and do real harm to people who use the words that we don't like. And that is justified and that's not actual violence. So words are violence and actual violence isn't violence. So now mm -hmm. we're not living in the real world. We're living in some crazy town. This is like crazy making behavior, which is a psychological thing. When you're being emotionally abused, people will try to make you feel crazy. And that's like what's happening now. It's like, this isn't, this does, this makes no sense. This is completely fucking crazy. What you're saying is nutty. It has to be. And like you say, you, your experience is that some of these people seem to be unwell. They, they seem to, to not be mentally well. And I think that people need to get clear that it's not like saying someone seems mentally unwell isn't a, a criticism or a way of, making them less of a person like mm -hmm. I have certain physical injuries that are still with me today like if I can't fully do things with my shoulder because I broke my shoulder a long time ago it doesn't mean that I'm permanently there's something wrong with me it or just you're less of a person or you're less yeah. worthy or less valuable or you know people shouldn't but, respect you or take you seriously or something yeah. like that I mean although but I suppose that you can't really take people seriously who are that well here's Ill. the thing I think like you as I can't necessarily do things where my injury was I also shouldn't be doing things mentally that require me to have capacity where I don't actually have it so in this case where you're seeing these protesters and you're like, you're really unwell and you really need to get support and you really need to get your mental health in order. And unfortunately, this protest has become this outlet for you. And it seems like a solution, but actually the solution is get getting your health in order first. Like you don't go to a protest with a broken leg and try and like march when you don't even have crutches, you go and get your legs sorted out first. And I think this is kind of what you were saying, where it's like these people don't seem well. And it's like, yeah, I, I think some of these people really need health solutions first. Yeah. And then they can maybe pick up the political conversation when their health is in order. I mean, yeah, another problem with America, right, is that yeah. a lot of people in America don't have access to health care or mental health services. Um, and, you know, people do, it's, it's hard to access solutions under those circumstances. Um, just like the, you know, the prostitutes or the sex workers, 
blaming, you know, like arguing with celebrities over their exploitation and them getting dicked around and not being able to make a living. And it's like, the problem isn't the the one celebrity who went on OnlyFans. The problem's the system, man. Like, (laughs) like I just, that's like a boring answer. And it's not that helpful because just saying the system's a problem is what all the leftists do. And they're like, it's because the system is white supremacist. It's because of capitalism. Mm -hmm. It's because of patriarchy. And it's like, okay, we actually need to think about actual real boring, (laughs) nitty gritty (laughs) kinds of solutions. You know what I mean? Like, I mean... But but I mean, you can't blame individual people for systemic issues, but you can work from the ground up for solutions to systemic problems like making incremental policy change, like <laughs> body cams for cops. Yeah, like these things that they've done, which are incremental, but they do um, help shift what is a systemic issue. I don't Yeah, I mean you can't you can't stop racism by going around screaming that everyone's a racist. Mm-hmm. You can't stop police violence by doing that either. You know what, Megan? I don't think that these people want to resolve systemic racism because what will they have to do with all their time? Like these academics, these rich white academics in the UK who are like, let the peasants riot and we'll see what what is birthed from the femme manifestation. <laughs> we'll talk about it in class. I it's don't think they want it to be resolved. I don't think they want a solution. What will they teach to their students? And what will be their entertainment if it is resolved? Like, this is just reality TV for them. Yeah. Yeah, they want want something to feel self-righteous about and something to pontificate about online. And you're right. I don't actually think they want racism to stop because then they won't have anything to complain about or talk about. They won't have this bludgeon with which they can beat people over their heads and get people to, like cower cower at the accusation that they're a racist which so many people do it's like uh i'll fire him then oh i'll shut the fuck up like here's my instagram account yes. here's some money what's your venue my money <laughs> take my house like, like this fucking chick who like tried to bully her prof did you read that tweet yeah i'm not surprised by that i mean that's been oh, happening man. for a while right yeah, 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 yeah. Nothing new. Same old shit. It's a, it's amazing to me how much, though, has changed in, like, 10, 15 years. Like, to me, when I was a student, like, can you imagine... I'll read, I'll read, I'll read uh, the, what the, the email said for those who haven't listened. So this person is named Morgan. Morgan um, can't do grammar um and didn't show up to class in high school and didn't do any work uh, by her own admission on her twitter account which i was reading through which is fine because i did no work in high school either and never Mm -hmm. went to class and basically almost failed high school like i i think i basically passed high school because my teachers decided to like be nice and let me pass but i did (laughs) i did nothing um, I mostly like sat at the coffee shop and smoked cigarettes um, and, you know, like played big two in the hallway. Um, so anyway, no judgment, no judgment, no shame. But uh, <laughs> like, I, I was just like, uh, you really do need to go to college, actually, because you seem quite stupid. But so Morgan's <laughs> pissed because 
She looks at the syllabus for a class that she's taking and it's not diverse enough. Um, and the class gasp is taught by a white man. So she's like out to get him already. Like she tweets something saying, um, hold on. Let me just find the tweet here. I just saw that my queer politics class, oh God, I'm so glad I'm not in university. My queer politics class is taught by a white man. I'm going to go through all of the required readings. And if there isn't at least one black author, I will be calling him out on the first day of class. Oh my God. Famous. This is like what she's tweeting. People are so childish. I just, I feel so sorry for the, for the professors that are held hostage by these absolute mm-hmm. fucking children. So what is she do? Can you out? imagine teaching in a university right now? No, so I guess she, I guess she emailed him to complain and then was what, like what appalled was appalled when the prof didn't like crumble at the accusation of like I don't know not having a diverse enough st- syllabus. So the prof writes back. The best thing about this whole story is the email because the prof was kind of like. <laughs> But in, like, a really good way. <laughs> but so, did she did she email him saying, like, I've checked your syllabus and learnt that there's only one black or there's no black. Like, what did she say? Um, Do you know? That's a good question because the screenshot here is just his email response to her. So she doesn't. I, I, ugh, I hope that I don't think that she tweets what she said i could just just, imagine that she would be quite like combative um and i'm just interested to know what did she find in the syllabus i just not enough black authors on the required reading list um i don't think she shares her email i think it's just his response so sorry i'm just looking through my like 800 screenshots yeah i don't think she shares her email so um the, but the response to her when she complains that there's not enough black authors on the syllabus and he needs to just arbitrarily add black authors regardless of what his goals for the class are or what he wants mm-hmm. them to learn um and you know obviously she knows better because she's probably what like 19 or 20 years old and yeah, just absolutely. almost failed at a high school so she knows what should be on a syllabus um hi morgan Thank you for reading the syllabus and thank you for your message. Of the six assigned books for the course, three, half of them are written by non-white authors. Unruly Visions includes works by diasporic authors. How do you say that word? Diasporic. Yeah, I don't actually know. I've only seen it written. I feel like I saw that written a ho- like a whole bunch of times when I was in university and only Very just now realized that. that I don't think I've ever said it out loud. It's as annoying oh, God, I as hate academia. <laughs> yeah, it is. I'm actually Someone glad I don't know how to say that word properly. <laughs> Fuck it. Who cares? <laughs> Not worth learning how to say Fuck properly. It. Fuck it. <laughs> Including black women. Uh, Cruising Utopia is a decidedly Latin and Latin X text he's still using all this shit i mean he's teaching queer studies so he probably sucks almost as much as she does but um 
And a little gay history refers to a worldwide selection of mostly non-white examples. There are also references to black queer culture and impossible dance, queer styles, and queer graphic history. Um, you are right. None of these books are written by black writers. But I think black queer culture is represented in these works. I don't believe that black culture is only representable by a black author. To me, that's a very limited view. There will also be several films by black artists, including Watermelon Woman, Paris is Burning, I may also screen Tongues Untied if we have time. I myself regret that there is very little representation of socioeconomically challenged queer folk, though Paris and Burning is good if limited representation. By its nature, a syllabus is exclusionary. <laughs> I'm assuming she accused him of being exclusionary or not inclusive or something like that. <laughs> By its nature, a syllabus is exclusionary. I thought this that was email very makes good. me want to neck myself. I would never. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's good. It's good considering that we're talking about fucking queer theory. Um, the, the professor often must make difficult decisions, but I'm happy with the syllabus. It is imperfect, but it does its best in terms of representation of minority cultures. But that said, my first priority in devising a syllabus is not representation of minority cultures. The priority is to assign readings that I want students to read according to my purposes as I imagine the course to ideally be. That is a task that only the professor is tasked with and qualified to do. If you're dissatisfied with the I syllabus, see. if you're dissatisfied with the syllabus, I suggest you drop the course. Why did he reply? Hey, I thought it was a good called? reply. I mean, I'm like, okay. it's, I mean, it's annoying that he even had to spend the time to write that email to her, which essentially could have just said, I write the syllabus, too bad. Take a different class if you don't want to take this class. This is my class. This is what I think should be in it. I'm the prof. Three You're the books, student. Half like, of man, the books, you think you have a lot of power. Half of the books are by white authors. Half, half are by authors that are not white. Done. But here's the thing. Remember when we talked about uh, people who are committed to misunderstanding you because they're woke and because they have traits that I would associate with personality disorders? And the thing with people who are like this, and you can call them whatever you want, like toxic or maybe sometimes it's a kind of narcissistic trait or whatever it might be, but at the end of the day, anytime you jade, which is justify, argue, defend, or explain, you're fueling their fire. You're never, mm. you never get points in your court for joining their argument because what, yeah. when you join their argument, you're telling them that their argument is legitimate and it deserves to be joined. What you need to do is say, your argument is invalid. I refuse to respond. If you'd like to come and see me in my classroom or come and talk to me in my office, you're welcome to. Thanks for your time. Yeah, you know totally, I mean? totally. You don't, you don't even engage and don't defend yourself and don't start don't start getting involved in their arguments and arguing with what they're saying because it's, it's so funny because I literally just did this today and yesterday with this chick who was trying to accuse me of racism for sharing an article that somebody else wrote that wasn't racist on the internet and I was just like you know I, I essentially was like stop lying and then she goes into this three comment rant about my racism and I deny that systemic racism exists which is not true and you know like I haven't incorporated a race analysis into, is, into my work which is also not true and mm -hmm. um, I was just like I'm not arguing with you 
None yeah. of these things. This is completely foundationless. I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't know why you're picking on me. I don't understand what your fixation is. I assume it actually has nothing to do with me. I hope that you deal with whatever your personal or political problems are. I support yeah. your work. I support all women's work. But, like, this has nothing to do with me. So leave me out of it. Like, yeah. leave me alone. Like Boundary. Yeah. And also, the burden of proof is not on you. So in this case the um, professor took upon the burden of proof as though he was legitimately being accused of a crime. In your mm. case, you said, no, you're, you have no evidence. Where's your evidence that I'm racist? You have none. Therefore, I will not be replying. Done. Yeah. Case closed. You have no evidence. Why would I even discuss this with you? Why would I give you a list of my accomplishments? Or, But there's three books here, and I, there's this film that I really like, and da-da-da-da-da. Like, why are These you are all the things I've done. I'm not a racist. Like, yeah, you're just you're totally just legitimizing what they're saying when there's absolutely yeah. no found. And it's insane. It's crazy making. I mean, yeah. it's the same thing as, you know, when people accuse you of being transphobic because you think that it's a bad idea for men to compete against women in sports. And you yeah. start being like, I'm not transphobic. I love yeah. trans people. It's like, no, 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 don't I do that. <laughs> you're not transphobic. This is this is total bullshit. Don't argue. Um, don't engage. Don't legitimize this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I guess it's hard because um, we want resolution. Like, we want to get along with people. By nature, humans, our drive for social belongingness tells us that we should try to get along. So you've got these people coming at you now more than ever on social media, coming at you with accusations that you're racist or you're, you hate these people or you hate – and you're like – no, I don't. I want to prove to you that I'm a good person. Like, tell me what I need to do to prove that I'm a good person. And yet all you do is you dig the fucking hole deeper because you're you're giving them proof then. It's like, oh, look at them. Look at them running around trying to prove that they're not racist. How that just shows how racist they are. Like, you can't win. <laughs> You'll never win because no. you're dealing with someone who's committed to you being a certain way. Their worldview depends upon it. And we talked about this, like people whose identity depends upon you being wrong, you being racist, you being transphobic. Their whole worldview and identity is hinged upon proving that. You're, no, you're never going to get them on side. And the they're committed to do, misunderstanding. Misunderstanding yeah. and misrepresent. Like that's what they're going to do. Like, They've decided, they've either decided you are this and they're just going to say it no matter what you've ever done, no matter what you've ever yeah. said and what you continue to do or say. So it's just a waste of your time and energy. But yeah, like, it's, I mean, I, this is, I feel like this is a meme that I've read on Instagram before, but like, it's yeah. like, don't argue with like somebody who's committed to misunderstanding you. It's not going to make you feel better. Like it's, yeah. it's not going to help the situation. Yeah. We want resolution because all humans want resolution and like, uh, remember when we had that big WAP conversation and that person really irritated me and I was like, just leave. And some people might say that's quite combative, like you're telling people to leave. But honestly, the way I see boundaries now is like the most loving thing I can do is ask you to leave. And it might sound harsh on face value to say like, hey, get out of my comments or get out of my live stream or get out of my life. And it sounds harsh, but it's actually loving because what I want is the best thing for you and for me. And I know the best thing is that we separate, that we don't keep at this argument because there's not going to be a good outcome. The best thing for you 
is to take your argument into an avenue that serves you well. And the best thing for me is to keep doing what I know is the right thing, which is to not keep trying to argue with internet trolls. It's to Mm. just keep being the best version of me that I know (laughs) I'm doing the right thing. I know I'm morally and ethically sound and I know I'm making good decisions and I'm going to focus on that. Right. And when people, I mean, when people are invested in targeting you and not arguing or engaging in good faith and smearing you and libeling you and just going after you, like this woman is, like she just seems fixated on me for whatever reason. And I honestly don't understand why. And I I, I know because I've, I've dealt with these situations enough times that it has something to do with something else, you know? Like, yes. it's like, I, I don't even want to bother spending en- energy guessing at what it is, but yeah, it doesn't yeah. really have anything to do with my politics or anything that I've said. Um, but, you know, it's not healthy for her. Like, it's not healthy for her to project her anger, her insecurities, or her issues with other people that, you know, she's not been able to resolve with them, so she thinks maybe she can reach me and maybe that will make her feel better. I mean, yes. it's not. Like, whatever her issues are, she needs to work on that on a personal or political level and put her energy into doing something productive, you know? Like, what will help her is to focus on you know, working towards women's rights or trying to affect change or dealing with her personal stress stress that makes her lash out on, like, people that she doesn't know on the internet. Um, It's not, like, I know it's not something that I want to validate or spend my energy on, you know? I I just don't, I'm not interested in having Facebook arguments. It's not good or productive almost ever. It's, like, toxic and makes you feel drained and and shitty. Um, And I could be doing something much better with my time that would either make me feel good that would be healthy for me or would be better for the world um Mm -hmm. so i mean i i I hope that you know setting boundaries with people like that will help them also right i mean that's a little bit like when we are constantly making decisions that we think is going to be best for you so like i'm cutting you off out of love for you i mean that's great that that we would do that. It's also a little bit codependent. So like it should be enough to say I'm cutting you off because it's best for me. Mm. And, and if there's a byproduct of that, that's good for you, then amazing. But like, essentially I know what's good for my mental health is to end this conversation. Right. And Like that should be enough evidence. Unfortunately, when you're very empathetic, you tend to want evidence that it benefits everybody and not just yourself because you feel selfish as soon as it's just benefiting you. So you're mm-hmm. like, who else? <laughs> can I? No, I don't have you too. I promise. <laughs> you're welcome. Do you feel better? Thank you so much. I gift. love you. <laughs> <laughs> um we should log off because i know you have to get going early tonight and uh-huh. we have to do our patreon only so we have about half an hour left so should we move to patreon only yes yes okay okay everyone thank you so much for tuning in um i don't want to say that was really fun because we we're talking about a bunch of serious stuff but it was fun for me anyway i like talking I feel like about we did a things. really good job i <laughs> pretty not modest but I'm like, that was great i'm so happy with our episode that was we did happy. we did get through a significant amount of content which is sometimes a challenge for us is you know we end up on tangents talking about something else and we're like oh wait what were we supposed to talk about again <laughs> um and well. yeah 
you didn't and really everyone in the show. comments was amazing there was no trolls. love your sleeves love your sleeves you, you blocked one troll and everyone else has been awesome. So that's I really only blo- I blocked the guy who was counting our likes because I was like, sure, whatever, count your likes, you'll tire yourself out. But he was not tiring himself out. So he was taking up the whole live chat with like, 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 yeah. it's like, okay, we're got not it, stop. got it. No, we're not gonna I'm, I'm, we're not going to stop. Like, um, so right. this is the same drugs with Megan Murphy. I'm Megan Murphy. I'm Laura McNally. And we're here every Wednesday night live streaming on YouTube. Um, please subscribe. Uh, see, it's only taken me, what, eight months to learn from you, Laura? Yeah. To say I please subscribe to at the end. <laughs> please subscribe, like, and remember to leave a written review. If you're, li- if you're listening on any of the podcast apps, in particular, Apple Podcasts, you can leave a written review really easily. It can be anonymous too. That's really helpful. And of course, join the Patreon because that's where we talk about our personal lives, which we don't want to share with YouTube. Yeah. And you can ask okay. questions, which we will actually answer on Patreon. Yeah. I mean, subscribe on Patreon anyway because um, I post content there that I don't post publicly. So first of all, we do these these private live streams every Wednesday after the public live stream. And yeah, we talk about personal stuff. We can answer more of your questions. It's hard for us to engage too much in the live chat on the public live stream just because I'm I mean, I personally get really distracted, so I stop being able to focus on the conversation. <laughs> but when we go to Patreon, we can do more Q&A kind of stuff. We can answer questions, um, overshare, all of those kinds of things. We usually get a bit more drunk. Um, <laughs> and uh, I also um, sometimes post interviews either early or interviews that don't actually ever go up on YouTube at all. And also, it's just a really nice way to support um, the work that we're doing here um, I mean, this is a fundamental part of your income too. I think yeah. people think that you're like making sleeves. a bank off like every time you write an article, they're like, oh, thousand. I think some people incorrectly think that you can make thousands off an article. And like, <laughs> yeah. I've been paid very well for some articles I've written. It's still not in the thousands. Like, it's, it's, and if yeah. you're doing that, and Once really well is still not, I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, it's hard to write an article. It takes a lot of time. And most, yeah. most of these outlets don't pay very well just because they don't have the money to, but when you get paid very well for an article, that's still, that's not your rent for the most part. Yeah. I mean, this writing is the gig economy. Like it's all the things that we were talking about, which is that it's unsustainable. It's very volatile. It's so up and down. You can be cut off at a moment's notice. Like it's all of those. And that's why we turn to places like Patreon because it allows you to start building your own business. And that's kind of the point, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. And I mean, I hardly have time to write anymore these days anyway, which is unfortunate because it's actually one of my favorite things to do. Um, But yeah, yeah. I think, I don't know. It probably is a big mystery how I make money. I think my, my friends don't really understand. They're like, so what do you do? What do you do? I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> but I am, I am basically like wholly dependent on donors, essentially, from wherever that comes from, um, which is is nice in that it provides fre- flexibility and in that I can't be fired from a job or a corporation. Like, ha you can't cancel me. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you got to market yourself well. That's the catch, yeah. right? 
Yeah, I have to be better at like pitching at the end of our live streams, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so everyone come to Patreon only. The link is down below in the show notes. And we'll see you next week on Wednesday. Did we forget anything? No, oh, that's it. Wow. Great job. Way to go, us. Yeah, that's really <laughs> I'm really impressed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good night, everyone. Okay. Bye. Bye.